Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. We are in a series on the theme of living the Zoe, abundant life of God. And we use the acronym L-I-F-E. L stands for love. And we want to love like Jesus. He's our model. If we want to live life, let's live it like Jesus. Amen. Jesus says, if you love one another as I have loved you. So we love people with Jesus' love in Jesus' way. So that's L. I stands for invest. And we are not talking about investing like the world. We want to learn to invest life like Jesus. And many of you wrote to me, told me you really enjoyed the message, how Jesus invested his life to build spiritual capital, to bring forth eternal dividends. Now today, we go, this weekend, we're going to do a two-part on the next one. It's called, uh, the next one is F, which is to forgive. But before we learn to forgive, we must realize how God has forgiven us. There's no love without forgiveness, as there's no forgiveness, forgiveness without love. So God is love. And in that, by that token, God is forgiveness. You cannot approach God not realizing that He is one who forgives. So when God saw that the human race was spiritually bankrupt, helpless, becoming slaves of sin and cut off from relationship and fellowship with Him, He needed a solution. So His Son, Jesus Christ, said, Here I am, Father, send me. And with that, Jesus Christ went to the cross. And that's what Easter is all about. We're in this season right now, we're in the season of Lent. This is the period leading to the Good Friday and to the Easter Sunday. So, as Jesus was nailed on the cross, the wheel of justice began to turn. Then came that dreadful moment on the cross where Jesus cried out to, to His Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All the angels, I believe, at that moment covered their faces because that was in all of eternity, possibly, I'm quite sure, must be the darkest hour of heaven. Psalm 22 gives us a graphic picture of Jesus Christ on the cross. In fact, when Jesus was saying, my God, my God, he was quoting Psalm 22. Now that tells you how much of the word Jesus had in him that in his darkest moment, the most extremely painful moment, he was still quoting the scripture. And he was telling us, and he was really, Psalm 22, was showing us something more graphic than the gospel had depicted in the word. So let's go to Psalm 22 and verse 1 to 2. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. In the night season, I am not silent. So Jesus was crying out to God. And then in verse 6, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of man, and despised by the people. So there Jesus had become sin. The NIV Bible says that I am a worm and not a man. Just as Moses lifted up the evil serpent in the wilderness. Here, Jesus Christ was lifted on the cross of Calvary for the whole world to see. The serpent, the snake, is a symbol of Satan, the devil. So here, as the sin of the entire world was put upon Jesus Christ, Jesus became one with Satan, that ancient snake. It, he became one with the devil in spiritual death so that you and I can become one with God in spiritual life. There on the cross, the entire human race was crucified with Jesus. Verse 14 of Psalm 22, Jesus says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. Now the Sabbath was fast approaching. The Jews didn't want the body of Jesus to be hung on the cross on this holy weekend. So they went to Pilate the governor. They said, quickly, break his leg so that Jesus would die sooner. 
But when the Roman soldier went to the cross, Jesus had already died. He had hung there for six hours already. His heart had ruptured. Literally, Jesus Christ died, you could say, of a broken heart. One of the soldiers pierced his side and out gushed water and blood. Jesus was not just dead. He was really, really dead. But as gruesome as that was, we mustn't let the physical suffering hide our eyes or hide our understanding from the spiritual reality of what's really happening in the invisible realm that we couldn't see. Jesus' suffering was more than just mental or emotional or physical. It was spiritual. Friends, it was deep, deep spiritual. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he was made sin with our sin at that moment. Satan, the devil, became the master. When he took on the, your sin and mine, the sin of the whole world in the past, present, and future, the devil became his Lord right there at Calvary. Everyone around the cross could only see the physical body hanging there, dead. But God in heaven could see his spirit. The angels could see his spirit. Right there, Satan sent his demons and they went to Calvary and bound him up in chains and pulled his spirit and soul down, down, down to the prison house of death. For three days and three nights, Jesus went to Hades, carrying the sin of the whole world and Satan had complete dominion over him. Well, Psalm 22 gave us or gives us a picture of Jesus' suffering in the body. Isaiah 53 gives us a picture of his suffering in the spirit. So go with me to Isaiah 53 in your Bible right now. And in verse 2, it says, He hath no form nor honor. When we observe him, no appearance when we desire him. Jesus was so deformed in his appearance. He didn't resemble a human anymore. Right there, inwardly, so twisted by sin and disease, he doesn't look normal. There's nothing in him that we would desire. He was so grotesque. Well, verse 3 says, He is despised and left of man. A man of pains, physical pains, friends, and acquainted with sickness. And as one hiding the face from us, he is despised and we esteem him not. Surely our sicknesses he has borne. Every cancer, every heart disease, every asthma, every eczema, every sugar diabetes, every rheumatoid arthritis, every Sickness you could imagine, every Alzheimer's, dementia, every depression, every heart attack, every stroke, every eye problem, every hearing problem, every disability and handicap, surely our sicknesses he had borne and our pains he has carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plague smitten of God and afflicted. Notice what the Bible says. He's smitten of God right there in Hades. God, his Father, laid upon him every sickness and every disease human race have ever experienced. Right there in Hades, you have the greatest display of unconditional love of the agape love of God. Look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, that means God his Father, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now let me tell you, the Bible is written, it's the Word of God, it's written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Every word, every punctuation, not a single jot, single iota will pass away. You know what, friends? Heaven and earth may pass away, but His Word will by no means pass away. The Word of God is so accurate and precise. It's no mistake. So when the Bible listed in this order, God is trying to tell us something. Yes, Jesus came to die for our sins. On the way to pay the ransom for sin, the first thing He did, He paid the price for all our sickness and our disease. If you can understand that, if you can understand that, yes, He died for our salvation, but along the way, first thing He makes sure is that you can receive healing. If you understand that, go ahead and give the Lord a big hand, by the way. Yeah, hallelujah. When you see verses 3 and 4 coming before verse 6 and 5 and 6, you realize that God dealt with the sickness problem first before He dealt with the sin problem. So when He paid for our sickness, He paid, or when He paid for our sin, He first paid for our sickness. If our heart can grasp that, we will have faith for healing. We have faith for a healthy body. You will not want to accept, I'm going to be sick and weak all my life. I grew up with asthma. I grew up with doctors suspecting I have a hole in my heart. But I grew up in the 1960s where medical advancement in Singapore wasn't quite there. We are just newly independent as a young nation. We went to GH. I went to the doctors all the time. I went to see Chinese doctors, Western doctors, because every week I'll be having asthma. Every week I'll be gasping for air. Every week I'll be struggling. In those days, I mean, there was not a lot of understanding on how to prescribe medication for asthma. I was never given an inhalant. I was never given a proper course of steroids. So the doctors say, well, there's nothing we could do. And I was a young boy. I didn't know a lot of theology. Haven't been to Bible school. But I read the Bible. And one day I read Isaiah 53, even as a young boy, 11, 12 years old. And I realized Jesus Christ is not just my Savior. He's my healer. So every time I have asthma, <gasps> my, my father even bought me an oxygen tank to put by my bedside so that when I'm gasping for air, I could breathe on that. But we have no answer. Even when I'm gasping, <gasps> I will say, Jesus, <gasps> by your stripes, <gasps> I'm healed. <gasps> and I just kept on trusting and kept on trusting. I believe and I believe and confess and I confess. I did that for two years. I never give up. Some of you could be sick in your body. You prayed once and nothing happened. Don't give up. You could be one prayer away from your miracle. You could be just one hand being laid on you away from your healing. I kept on praying. I kept on believing. And by the time I'm 14 years old, no more asthma, no medication, and no more asthma for the rest of my life. Come on, go ahead and give the Lord a big hand. Two years ago, one of our staff uh, Yer Singh, Sister Yer Singh have been with us in a crossover project, travel with us in Taiwan, in China, and then in America. And while she was away, her mother became very sick. You see, Auntie Queen, the mother, had severe sugar diabetes all throughout her life. So she was trying to be put under medication, under control. But then one day, two years ago, the mother collapsed. She was alone at home. By the time they found her, she was already unconscious. They rushed her to the hospital and found her blood sugar level was ridiculously high. Now let me tell you, the normal blood sugar level for a healthy person is 4 to 5.9 millimoles per liter. 4 to about 6. Her mother's was 33. We are talking about almost 7 times higher than the normal. She was already in a coma. 
the doctor told the family, be prepared for the worst. Even if she survived, she would be in a vegetative state. That means she will not be very conscious of people around her. She'll be paralyzed. She'll just be laying, laying there. Well, Yesing held on to the mom. Even when she was in a coma, whispered into her ears, Mom, hold on to Jesus. She wasn't a Christian. But she kept saying, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Mommy, just hold on to Jesus. Sunday morning, the mother was no longer responding to all the medication. The doctor said, your mother's going to die. Right at that moment, just before we, have our, uh, uh, when we are having our service, our hospitality minister, Pastor Yong Te Chong, God bless Pastor Yong, man of faith and man of prayer, he went to the hospital and saw the mom, the, the, all the, the indicators show that everything is, has failed. She's going to die. He laid hands on her. Auntie Queen, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, be healed. In the name of Jesus, by His stripes on Calvary's cross, Jesus took your sickness. He took your death. Wake up and rise up from the dead. Right at that moment, as He prayed in the name of Jesus, the mother opened her eyes. And came to consciousness. Doctors were shocked. The nurses were shocked. The nurses say it's a miracle. The first thing the mother said, I'm hungry. Can I have laksa? <laughs> oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when a Singaporean says, I want laksa, she's very healed. And she's healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, go ahead and praise God. Amen. Auntie Queen was able to talk very conscious right there, just in case she slipped into coma again. They quickly shared the gospel with her, and Pastor Young led her in a sinner's prayer to receive Jesus Christ. Today she's safe, and she's normal, and she's healthy, and she's happy. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. This morning, put your faith in Jesus. This morning, I, I purposely shortened my message today. I'm going to go very fast, because you could be here. And you could be sick in your body. Today, I want to pray for all the chronic disease. Today, we're going to pray together. Afterwards, I'm going to ask the cell group leaders. I'm going to ask the pastors to come and form a line. And we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. No more sickness in your body in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 9 of Isaiah 53. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich... At his death. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word death is in the plural. So Jesus died for many things. He allowed sin to overcome him. He allowed disease to take possession of him. He allowed poverty to ravage him. He allowed Satan, the devil, to have mastery over him. As Jesus took all our sin and, our, and the evil of the world, he descended lower and lower to the lowest depths of Hades. Psalms 88 now gives us a picture what exactly happened, if you like, in the lowest hell as Jesus was brought down there. It says wave upon wave of God's wrath was vented fully upon Him. God the Father is a loving God but he is a holy God. And he got to punish sin. But he didn't want to punish any of us because he loved us. So he punished his son. His son took our place right there, wave upon wave, as God the Father whipped Jesus in the lowest hell. Jesus cried and cried until he couldn't cry anymore. He took every sin Every lie we ever uttered, every immorality we ever committed, every wrong thing we have done and said and thought, Jesus wasted away, the Bible says in verse 16, under the fierce terror of absolute justice. What we read in our Bible is beyond human understanding, friends. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 for He, God the Father, make Him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God 
in him. Everybody say with me. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Will you turn to your neighbors on your left and right and say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Say to two or three people, come on. Righteousness means having the ability to stand in God's presence without any sense of guilt or condemnation or inferiority. If you can stand before God with no guilt, no condemnation, no inferiority, you'll be victorious in life. If I will not be inferior before my God, what will I be afraid of? By faith, that righteousness becomes ours the moment we invite Jesus into our lives. But if we ask most Christians, are you righteous? If we ask them, do you feel righteous? How many of you are righteous? I can tell you this. Most people say, me righteous? No. I'm not righteous. I'm not. Because we are trying to be humble. But also at the same time, we think God would get angry with us if we say we are righteous. Because we know ourselves, we are not so perfect. So we dare not say it. But I want you to know that's not biblical. Because the Bible says we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. So on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, the Greek word was tetalasai, which means it has been and will forever remain Finish. It has been finished. It will forever remain finished. We don't believe there's anything we can do to make it more finished. It's already done. It's a done deal. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ. So there's no need to further improve on the salvation process. So when we don't have a revelation of the extent, the extent, the extremities, of our forgiveness, we will never walk in victory. So when Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, we got to have a revelation of how forgiven we are. Just how forgiven you are. All right? Three things about forgiveness you got to know. Number one, God forgives instantly. Instantly. He doesn't make us suffer for a little while just for us to earn our forgiveness. Well, I'm going to make him suffer a little bit more, plead a little bit more, feel guilty a little bit more so that he will grovel in the ground and understand how much my salvation is going to cost him. No, no, no. God doesn't say, well, let me think about it. When we plead him, Father, forgive me, Father, forgive me. God doesn't say, well, let me think about it. I'll come back to you in one week's time. Isaiah 55 verse 7 in the Good News Bible says, He's merciful and quick to forgive. How does He forgive? He's quick to forgive. There's zero delay. The very second you say, Father, forgive, immediately you're forgiven. The very moment you ask Him for forgiveness is instant. God's forgiveness is instant. Regardless of how you feel. Number two, God forgives completely. Completely. And you've got to understand Colossians 2 verse 13 to verse 14. And I want to show you from the J.B. Phillips translation. It says, He has forgiven all your sins. Christ has utterly wiped out the damning evidence of broken laws and commandments which always hung over our heads and has completely annulled it by nailing it over his own head on the cross. There are three parts to this promise that I want you to see. When Jesus died for our sins on the cross, he died for all of them. It's complete. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. Sins you have not even committed. He has paid the price for them. It's paid. It's paid. You just need to appropriate by faith as you confess you're forgiven. But it's paid for. It says, and Christ has utterly wiped out the damning 
evidence. In a normal earthly court of law, your conviction and your, or your acquittal is depending on what? Evidence. What is the evidence against you? Now, in heaven's court of law, we have something similar. Because what is true in the natural came from what is true in the spiritual. So, in the realm of the spirit, Satan is the prosecutor, he is the accuser of the brethren. So the devil will stand there before God the judge and accuses us. God, this guy, he's a liar. He's an adulterer. He thought immoral thoughts. This man is unfaithful. This woman has hatred. The devil accuses us night and day and day and night. And you know what God the Father would say? Where's the evidence? The evidence we wiped clean. The evidence, all the damning evidence been utterly wiped out. Satan can say all he wants, but there's no evidence. There's no evidence. That means when Satan says, God, what about the sin that this guy has committed in 1957? 1964, and what about the sin in 1973 and 1985 and, and 2005? What about those things? Well, God says, there's no evidence. Show me your evidence and I will convict him. But there's no evidence. The evidence has been utterly wiped out. Talking about a stain remover. You know, there's no stain remover like the blood of Jesus. There is simply no damning evidence on any one of us anymore for all eternity. And let me tell you, you can't even find it on heaven's internet. There's no record whatsoever. Go ahead and give God a big hand. That tells us one thing. When God forgives, God forgets. He has completely annulled it by nailing it on the cross. Annulment, what does it mean? We hear this word annulment, your marriage is annulled. There's annulment. Annulment means as if it never happened. As if it never happened. Annulment is different from divorce. When you go for a divorce, there is a permanent record. You are a divorcee. When you have an annulment, it's as if you're never married. As if you've never done it. As if it never happened. Isn't that wonderful? Hebrews 8 verse 12 says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. That means our past is gone. God will never bring up to you ever again. If you don't bring up, God will never bring it up. You think about your own life. When I think about my own life, all the sins are committed. God never bring it up to me ever again. God never say to me, Kong, what about that you have done before? Never. People may say it. The devil may remind me. But God will never remember. The blood of Jesus has washed away all our sins, past, present, and future, such that they no longer exist. And even if one day, listen, even if one day you and I choose to reject God and we say, I'd rather go to hell, listen, you will go to hell with all your sins already paid for. Even if you reject God. Oh, come on, let's give God a big hand. What a wonderful Savior we serve. God forgives instantly. God forgives completely. Number three, God forgives repeatedly. Because we are imperfect. We are messed up again and again. And sometimes we feel embarrassed. Oh man, God, I, I come to you for the thousandth time, for the millionth time I messed up again. God, will you ever forgive me? You know, God will never say, huh? Same thing again. Boring. Same old, same old. Boring. Can't you think of some new sin to commit? God will never do that. You can come to Him a thousand times a day for forgiveness and He will forgive you a thousand times a day. 
He will forgive repeatedly because God is love. Love is His nature. He will never get irritated or tired of forgiving you. So for three days and three nights, Jesus was in hell or in Hades. Then something amazing happened. Jesus was justified in the Spirit and was made alive by the Spirit. So it's like Jesus was born again. He's our model right there. In the midst of everything, He was born again. He rose into new life. And then it says in Colossians 2 verse 15, an epic battle began to take place. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So Jesus Christ went to the house of the strong man and bound Satan up. He destroyed the power of the devil who had the power of death. He conquered him, stripped him of his authority, and now became the master of Satan. That is why he can be the king of kings and the lord of lords, because he's the king over Satan himself. He's the lord over the kingdom of darkness. He's the lord of all. Oh, you want to clap? Let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. Listen, church. Jesus didn't need to conquer Satan for himself because he's already the son of God. He did it for you and I. So by faith, when we put our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it's like we are there by faith. So it's like we were there to face off with Satan the devil. By faith, we were there with Jesus Christ. As he conquered him, we conquered him. We strip the devil. We tell Satan, you're under our feet. You have no more dominion over us. Greater is he who is in me than you who is in the world. God has seated me in the heavenly places together with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Last week, I met a most amazing man in the Philippines. Pastor Don Kemboy was born with severe, severe polio, acute polio that affected his lungs, his organs. At the age of nine, listen, listen to this, this story. At the age of nine, because of his severe, severe polio, his father took him out of the village, out of the home, family home, brought him to the city of Manila, at the Lunata Park, that's the big, it's like the, it's like the main part of the city, and abandoned him there. And he never met his father ever again. Can you imagine, nine years old, he couldn't walk. He, 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 he's practically an invalid. Left him there, and let him fend for himself and disappeared. Dong, for months, had to crawl on the ground, looking for scrapes of food from rubbish deep, dump and, and trash bins and beg people for money. Can you imagine a nine-year-old boy? I cannot imagine my day and I put him on the streets and make him do that. After about half a year, some of the relatives found him, brought him back to the village. Father's gone. Put him in school and Dong had minimum, minimal education. But he became a Christian, put his faith in Jesus Christ, and learned English by reading the Bible. He took up a guitar and started learning different musical instruments. And today, he's an accomplished singer-songwriter in the Philippines with six albums under his belt. I mean, the doctor said, this little boy has such severe polio, he'll never live beyond 28 years old. And if he chose to get married before that, he would have never have any kids. Dong is 47 years old right now with four beautiful children. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Oh, go, go ahead and give God praise. Hallelujah. His oldest boy is a top student in the music university and right now, one of the number one, the top few dramas in the whole of Philippines. In 2003, Dong had a vision. He started a church with seven people. Basically, 
his own family. The disabled people came to him. His music team was made up of all blind people. Can you imagine all blind people are your singers? Every month, today his church has grown, he mentors every month 200 pastors all throughout the Philippines who, came or who, are, who are coming to seek his wisdom and his counsel. Well, a few years ago, he had a vision to help the poor and the disabled. So he started a foundation, and on the opening day, 7,000 came to show his, their support. Celebrities in the Philippines, business people in the Philippines. Can you imagine a nine-year-old polio boy that was abandoned, and today is the leader of leaders. One of the richest men in Indonesia is his disciple right now. And he's the owner of the number one hotel in Balikpapan, and I went there and stayed in the hotel twice. You see, Satan is so evil. As a young boy, he plotted to devastate and destroy Don Kempoy's life. But when Jesus came, he turned everything around. And friends, what Jesus did for Don Kempoy, he can do it for you and I. Oh, come on, give the Lord a big clap. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Jesus says in Revelation 1 verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. That's why we celebrate Easter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event in the history of the world. How should we respond? When Jesus rose again, well, the women came to the tomb the day, the morning of the Sabbath, Sunday morning. They found it empty and they found an angel there. And what did the angel say? The angel said, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here for he is risen. Jesus is not in the tomb. He's risen. And that's why every Easter, what do we say? He's risen. This three weeks, you will find ourselves saying it again and again. He's risen. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is risen. He's risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in John 20, Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. Jesus appeared, but she couldn't recognize him. So Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, she thought that he's a gardener. He said, can you tell me where have they carried him away? Jesus was so deeply touched by the love and devotion of Mary. He just said one word, lovingly, tenderly. He said, Mary. And that voice, that familiar voice, that Mary grown accustomed to love. Mary said, Rabboni, Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to her, said, Mary, quickly, go and tell the rest, I'm alive. I'm alive. And that's what we want to do, City Harvest Church, this Easter. We want to tell the whole world, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He's our healer. He's our savior. He's our deliverer. Come on, give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. Go ahead and give God praise. Hallelujah. He's alive. And if God can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, He can raise a marriage from the dead. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, He can raise your vision from the dead your broken dreams from the dead. He can raise your business from the dead. Oh, go ahead and give God a big clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shall we all stand up right now? Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hand. Let's just begin to worship Him. I just want everybody in this room right now to begin to pray for the sick before we end this meeting. And, and I want you to stay with me because I need every prayer power I can get. So I, I, I don't want you just to walk out. Right now, the service is not dismissed yet. Just stay with us just for about another 10-15 minutes. We want to pray for those that are chronically ill. If you have cancer, 
you got cancer in your lungs, cancer in your uh, stomach, cancer in your nose, in your throat, you got cancer in your kidney, in your liver, you got pancreatic cancer, you got prostate cancer, if you got cervical cancer, cancer in your ovaries, if you got leukemia, if you got any form of cancer or tumor in your body, when we sing in a moment, I want you to come forward. We're going to form a line and all the pastors, you can just go down right now. And I want some of the cell group leaders to come and help me. If you're a cell group leader, you can come and just form a line. We're going to pray for everyone with cancer. Those of you with heart disease and you have a heart attack before or you, you have a possibility of heart attack or weak heart and you have uh, hypertension, I want you to come to the front. You're recovering from stroke and if you need people to bring you to the front, just come to the front right now. Those of you that have any form of disability, you cannot walk, um, you have hearing problem, you have eye problem, seeing problem. Those of you that have glaucoma, can you please come to the front right now? Those of you that are struggling with insomnia, you have insomnia, can you come to the front? You, you have a hard time sleeping, you have, um, you have depression, severe depression, there are thoughts of suicide. And will you just come also together with all these people? Those of you with rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis, got arthritis, there's pain. You could be young, but you have arthritis. Could you just come? Pain in your joints, just come right now. You have asthma, you have asthma problem. Pastor Kong is healed of chronic asthma. You have a hole in your heart. Can you please come? I had a hole, in, I, I was suspected a hole in my heart as a little boy. And God healed me of that. Could you just come? You have babies that have a hole in the heart. Just come right now. Just come right now to the front. Uh, those of you right now that have um, eczema, skin problem, can you just come right now? Just come right now. You got a hole, uh, you got eczema, skin problem, just come right now. You can start coming. All those of you cancer, just start coming right now. It's going to take a while. Just come. Why don't we encourage them? Let's give them a big hand as they come. Give them a big clap as they come. Give them a big hand as they come right now. Those of you that have kidney disease, you have liver disease, you have gastroenteritis disorder, you have stomach disorder, distension of your, of your stomach, just come right now, just come right now. Right, I'm calling out all those diseases that I know. You have urinary tract infection, you have urinary tract infection. Could you just come right now? Those of you that have, uh, you're addicted to alcohol, you're addicted to some form of substance, some medication. I know of a person that's addicted to Panadol. I couldn't stop. Every day, got to take seven to eight Panadol for years and years and years. You know there's certain kind of addiction. Can you just come right now, wherever you are? Just come right now, wherever you are. We're going to sing this song from the beginning one more time. Hallelujah. Let's just worship God for a moment. Now, before you pray, can you ask them what is the sickness they have? Because you've got to be very specific. God, very specific very specific on all this cancer can be healed today cancer can be healed today cancer can be healed today tumor God is healing tumor I just sense today that some of you your tumor is shrinking right now but you go for your next checkup your tumor is gone Jesus took your tumor on the cross hallelujah hallelujah let's just sing this song from the beginning one more time hallelujah amen everybody worship God Stars to end, the morning suns to set. Go ahead and pray for them, pastors. Just pray, just pray, just pray. His body on the cross, his blood poured out. Take your time to pray, all right? Pray through. Pray until you sense a release. Pray until you have a victory. Diabetes, God's gonna kill you. Oh, sugar diabetes, come, you got sugar diabetes. The ground 
want you to stretch your hands towards all our brothers and sisters in front. And I want you to use every fiber of faith you have. Let's rebuild the cancer. Let's rebuild those terminal disease. Let's rebuild the disability. I want you to pray right now. Pray as loud and strong as you can. Come on, pray strong. Keep on praying. Pray through. Cancer, go. Cancer, go. In the name of Jesus. Heart disease, be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Azima, be healed. High blood pressure, be healed. Heart disease, go. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray. Don't be tired. Pray, 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 pray. Be healed in the name of Jesus. 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 We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. standing by your chairs and you're sick in your body or somebody you know is sick those of you that's not in the front but you're standing where you are in your chairs and I didn't count your sickness or disease but Jesus can heal you how many of you are sick this morning standing by the chairs you're sick right now how many of you have parents who are sick at, who are sick at home we're gonna pray right now for healing we're gonna pray right now how many of you standing by the chairs you're sick this morning, just put up your hands right now. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of your parents are sick? Amen. Why don't we just join hands one more time? I know I got you to join hands. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. God heals. God heals. God heals. Hallelujah. 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 By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Say this out loud together. Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm healed. I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed. I'm healed. Of all sickness and all disease. Of all sickness and all disease. My family is healed. My family is healed. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Covers me. Covers me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Sickness get out of my body. Get out my body. I receive God's healing. I receive God's healing. Flowing from the cross. Flowing from the cross. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Pray for your neighbors in your left and right for healing right now. Shudriya la karabahadiya 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 la karabah
right now. Sickness, be gone in Jesus' name. Pain, be gone in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by the message. If you have a testimony to share, write to us at connect at chc.org.sg.